0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: You supposed to be resting. Maybe.
0: Dayquil Kids Berry. The kids' berry daytime congestion, coughing, stuffy head, stuffy nose, just for kids. Medicine. Safe for kids six years plus. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis,
1: Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
0: Jim, mother, can you hear me? Whining? It's been
3: three whole weeks since that I have left your home. This sudden
2: hero. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That's to the Gianotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at jwright 929 ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he is with me. Let's tell you what we got coming up on the program. It's, of course, Tuesday. Tell the truth Tuesday. We'll start with some Grizzlies and with some Tigers. And then there's been a few topics that I feel like were kind of bearing down on us the weekend. Obviously, on Mondays, we've got a ton to get to. You don't always get to everything. I've compiled some of the takes from the weekend, mostly sports. And I think we just need to barrel fire some of those takes and act as if that they're tell the truth. Because one thing that I learned in graduate school, the truth doesn't matter. Tell your truth. And that's where, of course... Don't tell these story. Tell your story. Originally, I originally started a marketing class, and then I realized it applied uh, to society at large, and then I started using it more and more frequently. Tim Murray's going to join the program here in about 35 minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts from Championship Weekend. There is a take that I will, of course, discuss with him that I want to get to towards the end of the segment about what Vegas is doing to us with Patrick Mahomes. We really need to sort this out. We we we've got to sort this out because yet again the line is moving, and I I, I need to know. I think maybe officially Vegas might Vegas, Vegas might have figured out the ultimate mind pretzel, which is I'm going to give you Patrick Mahomes and points and let you overthink this. And I think I think that's where we are headed. We'll get into the list three oh five. We'll also talk about some of the big time college basketball action that we have. Later tonight, it's a big night tonight, I feel like, in College Hoops. We will tell your story, and then we will get out of here. But I think let's first start with two local events that happened last night. We'll start with the competition first. The Grizzlies fall to the Sacramento Kings. They have to pull up Matthew Hurt, sign him from sign him to a 10-day from the hustle. We had mentioned yesterday the Grizzlies... Had seven available players, so they had to get to eight available players to do so. They had to bring up Matthew Hurt. It appeared that that was going to be something they were going to do anyway, but they had to rush it up. It appeared at least one game so that they could have enough guys for last night. And I think I'm going to start Tell the Truth Tuesday with, I think that might have been the perfect loss last night. And several reasons why. Number one, in a game where it's a Monday night, there's not a ton on. You had Big Monday. I don't get the sense that a lot of our, fan, of our fan base was trying to tune into Houston, Texas. We didn't have any national NBA games, or at least there were NBA TV games, but there weren't big national NBA games that captured the attention. So it allowed you to enjoy last night. And I think that's kind of where I have found myself with the Grizzlies. There are virtually no stakes right now for the Grizzlies because I've resigned myself to, I'm just not convinced that this team has got enough to be a part of the play-in. And so if they're not going to be a part of the postseason, I'm not living and dying every game. As it pertains to the reverse standings, I think they're so far behind some of the outstanding tankers that we've seen this season. Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, Washington. I don't really think that it's possible for them to get up into the top four. So they're going to finish somewhere between five and eight. And therefore, the actual results of the games are not impacting the way that I feel. And further... This is not a situation like we saw prior to the 2019 draft where the Grizzlies got lucky and bounced up to two. The Grizzlies largely have their team coming back for next year. This isn't the the situation in which you're rebuilding and you need the best possible draft pick to start a rebuild. Well, that happened back in 2019. The Grizzlies got lucky. They get two. They get John Morant. And all of a sudden, the rebuild is on a much faster, quicker path. That's not the position that we're in. But last night was about all that you could ask for from the Grizzlies because despite being incredibly shorthanded, despite going up a team that is significantly better than you, we had a four-quarter game. And more importantly, you got a four-quarter game that kept your attention. And it ends up being probably what the best result is at this point for the Grizzlies, which is indeed a loss. Further, if you're someone that's investing and you don't like to bet against your team, you got to win. I'm assuming no one took money line, but... If you, lay, if you got 10 points or even got 11, which is what I saw right before tip-off, cover, baby. And there was something endearing about watching this team fight the way they did. Now, with that said, it's like, am I going to massively overreact and criticize the decisions? No, I just, I I don't, because I don't view this as a competitive enterprise right now. We'll get back to there next October. But I did find myself, and I found myself more and more in January, we're getting kind of no apparent reason fun games. Even the Indiana game on Sunday kind of fell into the same category. You didn't really expect the Grizzlies to be competitive on the road in that environment, but they were. They gave you a four-quarter game, and here we are. So overall, for me last night, the perfect result. Everybody played hard. And I think the result that's best for the organization was the result that you got last night. And then, secondly, you haven't seen the you haven't seen the discussion as much and heard it as much. But I think at a certain point, like just a blanket tip of the hat to Jaron Jackson Jr. because, despite everything around him, despite everybody getting hurt, despite the fact that you know that you're probably not playing for anything that you've actually thought about. Because even, like, let's take it at this level. All right, let's say that locker room is hell-bent on trying to make it into the play-in. Which is a totally reasonable thing. If you're going to sit there and play, and you're a competitor, you're an athlete, I get you want to win as many games as possible, you might be trying to give yourself something to aim for. Makes all the sense in the world to me that you'd be gunning for the play-in. Think back. To what Jaron Jackson probably spent his entire summer preparing for. After FIBA. The Grizzlies were. Very much intent. On getting the taste out of their mouth from last year. Coming into the year. I even think back to the opening of training camp on media day. There was a there was a fun atmosphere. Around the team. And you could tell. Like there was kind of a first day of school. Feeling around this team. Well. The Sunday before the season starts. You get the blow. About Steven Adams. And then. I'd be curious to know. I think it's fair to say. The fan base at large, and I include myself in this, probably underestimated just how much the John ja Morant, the John ja Morant suspension, would actually mean. I don't think anyone was expecting that the Grizzlies would be number one in the West, but I think most people thought the Grizzlies would hover somewhere during that 25 games between 10 felt like 10 wins was probably the floor and you could probably talk yourself into 15 wins as the ceiling but quickly it became apparent oh well this is this is a disaster scenario so I'd be curious to know what the players felt like going through that, because I got to imagine to a certain degree, they were probably caught by surprise. They've played without John ja Morant before. They'd been able to get by. And I don't think, and I'm not trying to misconstrue this. I don't want this to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that, oh, they thought they'd be, you know, better without job. Ja, Cause that's clearly not what I mean, but I think they thought they'd be able to get by. Be able to tread water. And that was the attitude from most most around the organization prior to the season. So right off the bat, you realize very quickly if you're Jaron Jackson Jr., well, this 25 games is not going the way that we thought. And they dug themselves such a hole that honestly you can make the argument at that point the competitive enterprise is over, but... You were able to talk yourself into, you know what? This will be a new season when Josh comes back and we'll treat it as such. And lo and behold, they did. There's no question the entire energy, everything around the operation was given an instant jolt of life. It honestly felt like the scene from Pulp Fiction when Uma Thurman gets the adrenaline shot. Like, that's how it felt. Honestly, it's like we were flatlining and then boom, here we are. All the life, everything ready to go. And you have to know that the players felt the exact same way. And you could sense it. Well, then you get the gut punch that Jaw is out and then Jaw's out for the season. He's going to need surgery. Absolutely another gut punch. But I give them credit if you think back to the moments right after that. They played some of their best basketball that they've played without John Morant. Then, Marcus Smart injury, Desmond Bain injury, and so on and so forth. And so if you're Jaron Jackson, I can completely understand How you could... I don't know if you want to say, like, feel sorry for yourself. In the end, you get to play professional basketball. You get to make a ton of money doing it. But I think it'd be very easy to not bust your butt and play as hard as he's playing night in and night out. And I've got nothing but good things to say and nothing but a tip of the cap to Jaren because I feel like during this entire time when he's basically the only thing that they have consistently and regularly... He's bringing it night after night, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. He's absolutely playing his ass off. And in a season in which everything that you thought you'd be playing for at the beginning of the season has largely gone away, I've got nothing but respect for what Jaron's done, and I hope everybody else feels the same way. All right, let's go to Tiger basketball. Last night, Penny Hardaway had his coaches show. I wanted to bring out a couple of the, co- uh, couple of the quotes that Jonah Dillon has over at the Commercial Appeal from his story last night. And I just want to kind of take a look at them. It was a gift and a curse to win 10 games in a row. Because we knew on the inside what was still going on. You win those 10 games... There were still a lot of people unhappy about winning those 10 games in a row because maybe their stats weren't where they needed to be. I think the other problem that we've reached now with Tiger basketball, I think we've kind of reached the point where we don't really care what they say. We're now at the point where, I mean, to a certain degree, talk is cheap. And it's not even necessarily that I think what they're saying is spin. Because I don't. I do actually think, more times than not, Penny is at least giving you his point of view. You can nitpick about the conclusions. You can disagree. But one thing that I do appreciate is, I do think he is giving you his point of view. The problem, though, is, I think, collectively after the three game losing streak, when you see how they're playing and you take a look at where they are, I think most people have reached the point of, I don't care what you have to say, just fix it. And to be clear, he made the comments at the Penny Hardaway radio show. He has to talk. That's, it's a contractual obligation. So I do not want this to be misconstrued as Jeffrey Wright calls out Penny Hardaway for saying what he said. I get I get what he's doing. He's It's a talk show. He's got to be there. He's got to say something. And part of it for Penny is, as we can clearly see, when he talks, people have to write it up. People talk about it. If you want to talk about the blessing and the curse, like that is... Part of the Tiger basketball job. He continues. Guys got to understand. We have to do it together. And I think now after losing yesterday or Sunday. It might be the first time all year where they just looked up and said. Okay it's us. We have to do better. But not until then. All right I want to focus on. This. And here's why I want to focus on this. I'm going to do a little speculating here. Unlike my journalist friends, I don't fear it because I'm not a beat writer. I'm willing to speculate. That's what, that's what we're here for. Guys got to understand, we have to do it together. And I think now, after losing yesterday, it might be the first time all year where they just looked and said, okay, it's us. We have to do better, but not until then. I'll speculate, and the speculation will be as such. I think he might be talking about Javon Quinterly and David Jones. And the reason why I would reach that conclusion, we heard last week that guys realized it. That was what back to the basics or back to training camp was all going to be about. Toughest practices of the year. David Jones, if you just looked at shooting numbers, points, you think he had a pretty good game. David Jones and Javon Quinterly combine for 13 turnovers. And Both were 100% net negatives on the defensive end. And the reason why I actually think this might be the most encouraging statement that I've heard so far, I think that's who he has been trying to reach for quite a while now. Because I start with the very first stat, or the very first comment, you win those 10 games, There were still a lot of people unhappy about winning those 10 games in a row because maybe their stats weren't where they needed to be. I think the person that is most concerned about his statistics is David Jones. And if indeed the realization after Sunday was David and to a lesser degree Javon coming to the realization of we're the team leaders, we're the two best players on this team, we've got to be better, that gives me hope for the rest of the way. Because, again, we're not asking for these guys to essentially become lockdown, shutdown defenders. You're not asking them to be Marcus Smart, Tony Allen. You're simply asking them to stay in front of their defender, or in front of their, their man. Stay in front of the basketball. I think back to, I think it was Josh's second year. And I believe Eric and I actually had the conversation on air. Eric, of course, being Eric Hasseltine, Memphis Grizzlies radio play-by-play network announcer. He'll join us on Thursdays. But I think what had actually happened is Mark and I were talking about Jaws defense, the previous segment. And Eric started the segment. I'm doing this from memory. I don't have the tape in front of me. I just, It just jogged my memory thinking about this. He asked if he could chime in about the defense. And at this point, sometimes you're wondering, like, oh, boy, is he about to take up for the guy and, you know, essentially go against you? But Eric said, maybe just stay in front of the ball a little bit more. And to his credit, I do think John Morant's defense has actually gotten better since year two. But that's essentially where we are with, with David Jones in particular and Quinterly to a lesser extent, but he's not a solution right now defensively. It's not as if they're physically incapable of doing this. And it's also not as if the task in front of them is we need you to Go and lock on to their best offensive player and shut him out. You're not asking the Dylan Brooks assignment. You're just basically asking to give some effort on the other end. And that's why I really think if Penny's most serious about trying to send a message Sitting down David Jones is the message I think that would be the loudest. I understand there's other, there's other variables that go into the decision. But if you really are sick and tired of the defense and the lack of effort, taking away the offense, Pretty good place to start. And for David Jones, it doesn't seem like being on the floor is really a defensive proposition. So if you sit him down, he can't score. Or let him start. And if he, if it's very clear at the beginning that he's not giving you the effort that you need defensively, then sit him down. Maybe that makes a louder statement. I think the real big question, though, is The next four games are games that the Tigers, at least the next three, are games that the Tigers will be most likely double-digit favorites in. I suppose Temple on the Road, maybe not as much. But you'll be double-digit favorites, at least in the next two home games. But you're probably going to be a significant favorite in the next four games, including the two-lane game at home. It's entirely possible you win all four of those games And everybody's feeling good. But the real question, though, is will those four wins be the sign of improvement? Or will those four wins be something that Penny's referred to during the 10-game winning streak? Will they maybe just make you feel better, but you haven't solved the problems? It's why I think a huge part of these next four games is you got to establish who are the guys that you're going with. You can't really view this as opportunities to play everybody. You got to figure out who your guys are and roll with them and let them play together in the hopes that they do indeed gel together. All right, those are the local things that I was thinking about then we had a few other few other topics from the weekend that I kind of wanted to get to. So I've been thinking about the wonder that is Brock Purdy. Because the last two playoff games have been the full experience. That goes with watching Brock Purdy. Because if you think back to the Packers game. He largely spent three full quarters being bad. It's also important to note, like, you can't ignore bad weather. He... Uh, you know, we we'd mentioned it. We mentioned it last week. I've still to this day, that was a, a first for me to see in the NFL a guy wiping essentially his towel as he's in the middle of his drop back. I have, however, seen it at the high school level when you got small hands and you got to try to dry your hand immediately. You've seen that one. Don't typically see it at the NFL level. He was dealing with the glove, everything. He was terrible basically for three quarters. But he got to the point where they needed a drive. And he had to put it together, and he made a big throw over the middle to Jennings. And then, maybe it was a precursor of what was to come, really made the Packers pay with his legs. We'll fast forward to the NFC Championship game. In the first half, he was pretty bad. Like, I don't really know how else to, to, even to Niners fans, because my old college roommate and his best friend were in a group chat together. They're diehard Niners fans. And without selling my buddy out too much, he basically just said, Brock Purdy's making me nervous drink. So they feel it too. But basically from the point in which Detroit's unable to make the interception, Iuke... Catches it off the deflection. He played perfect football. Beyond just the running, like he was making throws that he wasn't making all day. He was playing perfect football. And it got me thinking yesterday. I think Brock Purdy is the perfect quarterback for 2023. And I'm not talking about football. I am talking about in a universe... That is largely dependent on takes. Takes on takes. Takes about people giving takes. Anyone and everyone in between having takes. Draft people. Football people. Talking heads. I legitimately think Brock Purdy might have actually broken the matrix. Because he is actually... The perfect specimen for what we're talking about in this culture, which is you can see whatever you want to see. If you want to see the guy have three straight throws that look incompetent and look horrific and look like, honestly, a career NFL backup, he'll give you those. Do you want to see a 15-yard dig over three defenders that was thrown perfectly on third and 15? He'll give you that too. Third and five, when it matters the most and your team needs to keep the football, he makes the play and gets it done. I've mentioned this before, and I keep coming back to it. I was really thinking about it in terms of the biggest difference of opinion in Purdy is clearly between draft Twitter slash draft talking heads and people that just watch the games. Because draft people are never going to love Brock Purdy. Not not from where he got drafted. If you want to know who's someone that draft Twitter loves or draft people love, just look for whoever throws the ball the hardest. Because that's all they really care about. They keep saying arm talent. It's not arm talent. They want arm strength. Because there's plenty of guys... Like, it's why I'm going to be fascinated. Joe Milton is at senior day. I'm going to be fascinated what the grades are. Because anyone, Tennessee fans included, know that he'll give you a throw that makes you go, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. And then throughout the course of the game, you're like, well, he he seems to try hard. He seems to be a decent leader, good teammate. But you're not really inspired with confidence. But I'm convinced right now with Brock Purdy, it's the ultimate. It's very similar to when it clicked for me the day that the Bears on Twitter announced QB1, Andy Dalton. And you realize we're now in the era where there's no such thing as bad publicity, getting ratioed. No one cares. It's all just about engagement. Brock Purdy might be the single biggest engagement quarterback of all time. Because no matter what you say, someone's going to have a rebuttal one way or the other. And I think back in comparison to who he's going to go up against at the Super Bowl, Chiefs fans largely get upset when you talk about any quarterback other than Patrick Mahomes. And to a certain degree, I understand. If you're Patrick Mahomes is your guy and he's the best player alive, I understand. But the problem that Chiefs fans don't understand is, We've run out of things to say about Patrick Mahomes. Oh my God, he's awesome! Can you believe he did that again and again and again? It's largely the same problem. Like if you want to, if you want to know like how to deal with it, like just go look up, Pats fans with Brady. Like we just got to a certain point. We're just like he's the best. What what else is there to say? Whereas at least Purdy gives you a buffet, good throws. Bad throws, everything in between. And then, in a similar fashion, Madam Swift. Ah, yes. Taylor Swift. I've realized that Taylor Swift, because we don't have the Eagles in the playoffs anymore, Taylor Swift has replaced tush-push debate. We've now hit the meta point of Taylor Swift conversation in which it seems to me there are a lot of people that are making up people that get really mad when they show Taylor Swift. To be clear, I don't know how during the game, if you're watching the game, you can get upset by 46 seconds tops. During a three and a half hour game. I don't see a whole lot of people that get upset by that. I do think what is happening is people have created a villain of people that would get mad if they saw Taylor Swift for 34 seconds. And I'm sure there's one or two of them out there that exist. But it's certainly not this mass audience that keeps getting debated against that doesn't really exist. But it's almost like there's become a proxy. But what I do think Taylor Swift was 100% replaced. We spent all year, it felt like, arguing whether or not the tush push should be legal. Now it seems like we've replaced it with, how do you feel about Taylor Swift? And then finally, and this is what I want to start the next segment with, with Tim Murray. I think Vegas is officially created the ultimate Brian Pretzel. They, for the third consecutive week, are giving us Patrick Mahomes with points or a plus sign. He is now, for those at home, 10-1-1 as an underdog against the spread, and he is now 9-3 and straight up. And I think... I know the actual scientific explanation is the Chiefs do not power rate very well. At least compared to the teams that we are putting them in the playoffs against. The last three times, it makes sense. The Buffalo Bills went to Kansas City and won. They went to Kansas City last year and won. They're at home. We think it's a toss-up. Give them three points. They're at home. All right. So be it. Then they do it last week, and the line gets bigger before kickoff. And I understand. The Ravens have been one of the best teams in the NFL against other good teams. I think the number before kickoff was 10-1 and against teams with a winning record. And they had blowout wins. Big-time, massive wins. He did it again. And yet, here we are, again, with Patrick Mahomes getting points. And I cannot wait to overthink this and talk myself out of what is obvious, which is just take Patrick Mahomes with points, just like you did in the Super Bowl last year. Because I think that's another big aspect of right now. This is going to be the fourth playoff game out of the last five. So Super Bowl, the wild card round, he wasn't a favorite. But this is going to be the fourth playoff game in a row, or fourth out of five, that he's going to be an underdog. And I'm going to figure out why Vegas keeps doing this. We'll talk about it with Tim Murray next, right here on Gene Otto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESP.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: Program is brought to you by one of my new favorite spots in town, Birdies. It's located at 493 South Main Street, Suite 101 in the historic South Main District. It's a new indoor golf simulator concept. They have three golf simulators, virtual putting course, as well as a full-service bar, and a great menu. If you're anything like me and we've hit the point in the calendar where you're really starting to think golf season could be creeping up on us, but the weather's just not cooperating, it's a great spot to go work on your game. You can play one of 600 courses worldwide. All while watching your favorite game. Also, if you're a gearhead or you're really into the technical aspects of the swing, their simulators will help you out there. Everything from swing path analysis, ball speed, smash factor, whatever you're looking for from a metrics perspective, they have it. Go check out their Instagram page. You can do so at birdies901. And if you want to reserve a hitting bay, you can do so at golf at birdies.com. Golf at com. Don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself. You'll absolutely love your time there. Tim Murray is the host of VCN's college football and college basketball betting podcast. He's the host of vCin primetime airing weeknights, five to eight locally on Twitter X at one Tim Murray. Tim, I th- I think the bookmakers have finally done it. <laughs> What'd they do? They're giving us Patrick Mahomes with points and a plus sign again. And I think I've officially. So I I talked myself into the Bills. (laughs) Done. I got into an. Do you do you have a gambling buddy that like you'll kind of just prefer like let's just be on the same side like you know what I mean? You can kind of experience it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was caught for a
3: television network somewhere.
2: My guy was pretty confident he wanted the Ravens. I did I look I
3: before you go even further uh-huh. I I love the Ravens this past weekend I was very wrong um even though I'll be honest like they lost the Chiefs are the better team let's end the discussion there however let's not pretend like Kansas City was some juggernaut offensively in the second half, right? They they didn't really do anything. the the, the Ravens made massive mistakes. I thought Steve Spagnuolo pants Todd Munkin uh, throughout the day, um, but I thought the opening couple of drives from Kansas City were flawless uh offensively and then I thought the defense kind of took over and and ultimately, you know, they made the big play on, on fourth down. But I, I don't want to hear because I heard a couple people out there be like, well, you know, they were playing with the lead. I'm like, you got Patrick Mahomes. They weren't milking the clock on the first drive of the second half. They were having a lot of trouble getting it going offensively in the
2: second half. I don't think they were milking it. I do think that they knew we can if we make the only way we lose this game now is if we make a mistake, yeah. I mean, look, they
3: were plus three in the turnover margin. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the Ravens made boneheaded penalties. I mean, look, every penalty I was watching with a key part uh, of the
2: game that I felt like got completely left out of the, all of the discussion post game. The Chiefs were going to run it out at the end of the half, and then they got that stupid was it Queen? Who was it? They got a stupid 15 yarder. Then they got another fifteen yarder, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs are like, I guess we'll go get some points. Yeah, that
3: was the um Yeah, it was uh it was after a first down and no gain. And, and you're thinking maybe the it? Ravens can
2: get the ball back. They,
3: they headbutted Kelsey a little yep. bit. And and it's it's another one of those things where I haven't I do a radio hit on Wednesdays in Baltimore, and I'm curious their thought. But like look, I was watching I, I had the Ravens, but when I I don't know about you guys, but like when I watch with a group of people, especially that I don't know, which is what I did on Sunday. Yeah, I was you know I was, I was at a neighbor's friend's house. It was you know it was a nice setup. I appreciate them, all, but I just kind of sat there and just it took it all in. And all of them had the Ravens, so I knew immediately I was on the wrong side. Yeah. Um. And then like they were all like a, a couple of them were complaining. Oh, oh, the the NFL wants wants the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm like. Dude, he just clotheslined Patrick Mahomes like right in the head. Like that's a penalty. Like Zay Flowers had the trifecta of he pushed Snead to his sh- shoulder over. He spun the ball and then flexed on top of him. Like that you is in called the, either of
2: the three. <laughs> that
3: is that is like the classic. Like that was like a Key and peel skit of Correct. like how to get unsportsmanlike conduct. Correct. So like I I just. I don't really have any sympathy for, for the Ravens. They, the self-inflicted wounds, obviously the Zay Flowers turnover, uh, you know, Lamar fumbles, you know, gets sacked, the Lamar interception. You're not, look, you're not going to win plus three, negative three turnover yeah. margin and making boneheaded mistakes, which is, you know, what they did. Yeah.
2: And I don't know, like, that's kind of the other thing. It's like now, and then I'm looking and in the Super Bowl, it's like, yet again, here,
3: here we, we again.
1: are.
2: Yep.
3: Yeah, I mean this this is tough for me, right? Because it's tough for me because I look at this spread and I'm like, well, Looks like I gotta bet the 49ers because I know what, you know, everyone will say all week is, you know, and, and like you, two, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's like, all right, I've, I've learned my lesson. I bet against Patrick Mahomes and we'll be reminded for the next two weeks, 10, one and one ATS as an underdog. Uh, I think it's nine, nine and three, three straight, straight up, straight yep. up. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he's, he's on a rocket ship. To the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he's going to surpass Brady, but let's just be real. He's 28 years old. He's got 14 playoff wins, which is as many as Peyton Manning had is in his entire career. Um he needs multiple more Super Bowls, but what this guy has done, and I get, you know, he's got Andy Reid there and he's got Travis Kelsey, and the defense is legit, but what Patrick Mahomes continues to do is something we really have never seen before. And we continue. I mean, six years as a starter, four Super Bowl appearances. I mean, it's 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 like stuff you see in Madden. Well, the
2: other thing, though, I kept thinking about, it's like with the the obvious Pats comparisons, I just don't remember, other than Brady when he went to the Bucks. but keep in mind, they were a wild card team. They were on the road the whole time. I just don't remember getting this many points with Brady during the peak of the Pats powers, even during the period where – what they went from was four 14 was there what was there there's was like seven or eight years without a super bowl i just don't remember them being like here's some points enjoy
3: right yeah we we, we started to get a little bit later in his career i i, sh- I should go that's actually a nice homework assignment i yeah. should go back and take a look at at the spread so yeah i mean the super bowl last year and every playoff game – no, not every playoff we, game. The Miami – favorite so four of the Miami. last five. Four of the last five, he, he will be – the Chiefs will be underdogs. Um, you know, is it
2: so. really – is it just as simple as they power rate that poorly? And by poorly, I mean, we're talking about the best teams in the league, but the, they're that far down. Who, the Chiefs? Yeah.
3: Um – I mean, being a two-point underdog on a neutral is is actually a pretty big adjustment, I think, for the Chiefs of where they had been. Now, they were around three-point underdog, I think, in the look-ahead lines last week. So we got as low as one-and-a-half. We're back to two pretty much across the board. I think we'll start to see more. I'll say this. If you like the Chiefs, I would probably get them now. I mean, you could have got a a two-and-a-half. It went down to one-and-a-half-one. It's back to two today. I think it's gonna be I don't think we'll ever see a three. And I don't know if we'll ever get the pick. I think it's just gonna hang out in this limbo where, <laughs> you know, if there were teasers, which there's no other football game we can tease it to, but if there were teasers, you know, this would be a nice teaser spot yeah. for the Chiefs up to seven and a half or eight. Um so yeah, I mean I think this is this is probably where it should be. Um, you know, you gotta remember You know, for odds makers, you don't want to overreact. You can't overreact um, to to what we've seen recently, and you have to make your minor adjustments. Um, But, yeah, I think we're just going to hang out in this this no-man's land where I think there are going to be people waiting to get a very cheap money line price on the San Francisco 49ers, and I think there's going to be people hoping we get a three again. I don't think we will, and I think the casual public will happily take – understandably so, and I'm not blaming them because you're very profitable if you're doing so, taking you know the best plus money price on the money line with the San Francisco 49ers. I can tell you this, almost, I don't want to say no one, almost no one will take two with the Chiefs. It'll be money line or it'll be yeah. uh, you know the 49ers minus the two. Nobody's going to be walking to the book on the most bet sporting event in the world every year and be like, Give me the Chiefs plus the two, and here's the minus 110. I want some
2: overtime insurance. You're right,
3: yeah. So, um, I mean, right now you can get, I'm looking out here, because there are spots, and I don't know. uh, Disclaimer, I don't know if anyone from the Memphis, greater Memphis area is planning on coming out to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, But important note, you have to go to the sports books to sign up for the app. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's the deal here in Nevada. So if you get to town and you're looking to fire up the old DraftKings app, we don't got DraftKings. Uh, we don't have FanDuel. We, you know, you got to go to the book. You got to sign up. So, But there are some reduced juiced spots, uh, easy for me to say, uh-huh. So, meaning minus 105 instead of minus 110. A couple spots run those promotions all week long. So um, it looks like there's a shop offering plus 120 on the Chiefs on the money line. Uh, which I would imagine is going to be pretty tantalizing to a lot of people out there.
2: Did the books take a bath on the Chiefs the last two weeks? Hmm. So I I haven't asked a ton because um, I do understand like for a lot of these bookmakers like it's not really a question you want to ask because like their their livelihood depends on it. Like yeah. So I'll give you I'll give you an example. So circa is where my studio is, and what I do know. Is that I think? By the way, I meant to say I my my one of my best lifelong best friends went out two weeks ago, and I sent him there, and he's like, "Man, this the circus is just incredible."
3: Yeah, it's 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 kind of a dude's paradise. Yes, he lo- it, like, is, it, it was him and his boy, like, co- boys from college. It is uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, highly recommend. Yes, uh, not only just to come, but like if if you know, I know a lot of Memphis hoop fans are there. I look. Anyone should try to make it out to Vegas for the first weekend of the tournament. It's the ultimate kind of bucket list dudes weekend deal. I recommend the weekend prior. There's more games. Conference Championship Week, there's more games, and you can go to games. We've got Mountain West, West Coast Conference, no near and dear to your heart. Don't forget, though. We're usually the week early. Uh, you, you wrap up on Tuesday. Yeah. So, you know, you could see Spokane South. The uh, Orleans, yeah. Yeah, the Orleans. Uh, we have, so we have Mountain West, uh, Pac-12, final, final go-around for the old Pac-12. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, it's a fun week. Um, but back to uh, what your question – so Circa, I, I think they lost for the game, but they were happy to do so because they had enormous liability to the Ravens. Yeah, because the Ravens of all of these teams, you got to think about this too. It all kind of goes into a big pot futures. There are a in lot of people futures. Like, yeah, in the futures, nobody really wanted to bet Niners or Chiefs future wise, right? Because yeah. it was two of the lowest numbers coming into the year. I think DraftKings said it was seven to one on the Chiefs and six to one on the Niners, or flipped one of those. Yeah. it's it, it, very low. So when you the Ravens were pretty high, you know, you think back to the national championship. Washington. There was a, a one book in town that I think offered at, like in the early spring, like a hundred to one on Washington, the Huskies, not the Commanders. Yeah. and they would have taken a massive bath. Those get just carried up big. So I don't know. I would say if I had to guess, from what I gathered, I think the Lions were a very popular play. Um, the Lions covering, I think, was a good result. But honestly, I think you always hear. I think the Niners winning and the Lions covering was probably the, a really good result for the books. I would think the Chiefs winning was a bad result for the books. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that there was a lot of money line Parlay liability uh, out there for that people. I did it. Uh, you know, Ravens, Ravens to Niners. Chiefs. Yeah, Ravens the 49ers. So I, I think they, they did fine. You think that they're still going to be in business? Yeah, that somehow the lights were still on when I walked in on, on Monday. Um, so, you know, and uh, – you know they'll have uh, plenty of people coming out over the next uh, next uh, week and a half or so, firing away on on plenty of
2: parlays and prop bets. All right, let's turn our attention to college hoops because I, I'm I feel like I'm I'm getting back into it, and I'm I'm curious from your hopefully I had a better Saturday than I did. Holy smokes! I got I got My-
3: I I had had up until this past weekend I had had probably one of the best college basketball months I've ever had. Like, January, on my show, we were doing, like, two or three picks a night, and then Saturday rolled around, and I just got destroyed. Absolutely hammered. So, uh, that was fun. Still so, was a good time.
2: my fraternity little brother might be sharp, um, and we had Saturday... Saturday was spectacular. Oh. Um, let me tell you what. The hero for Kansas, I walked away thinking, uh, this is over, because they went oh, to the there, free yeah. throw line. And I, I had four and a half, walked away, and my wife had just gotten back. And she the game was on TV, so she just asked the question, what did you have? And I go, I, I had Kansas plus five. It's a loser. She's like, no, they just th- they lost by four. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? And I had to rewind it on the, on the DVR. I was like, okay, that was a spectacular hit. Now, it did get it came back to me that night. I also had Kentucky in Fayetteville and Kentucky had one of the dumbest fouls and you could tell Cal knew what the line was. Cause as soon as the kid fouled with like, I don't know, three seconds left for an and one, Cal just like threw his arm straight up in the air. Like you could you got the sense like Cal knows like I had a lot of people with a lot of money on us. And it's like you could you could feel his reaction. So I pushed there, but yeah, I'm betting on I'm betting on so many games that are deep on ESPN Plus that I can't even, like, I can't even throw them out to people because my buddy's just sending them to me, and it's like, I have never watched any of these teams. But, like, when I think, like, to the actual sport, like, at large, of games that people are watching, this may be anecdotal, but I'm curious to know from your perspective, because you have to look at it so much closer than I do. It feels like home court advantage has never been bigger in college basketball. Like, I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know if it's because so many of these rosters have thinned out. And so when you go on the road, it's a lot harder. I, I have no idea. But it just feels like going on the road has become damn near impossible.
3: Yeah, and I think there's a couple conferences that that speak to that pretty well. Um, you know, I think the Big 12, we've seen it, uh, you know, be, be pretty pretty prominent when you look at